Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and I'm cleansed of 1953 thanks to this season. <laughs> 2012 still all right you're still on 1953 so no josh it's been washed away right the films of 2012 yeah all right including quite a few that you didn't really like but that's uh, true that's true that's fair yeah totally fair so we have finished our season on the films of 2012 and as we always do at the end of each season we do this little epilogue episode looking back at our categories what we picked what other options we could have picked, and some suggestions from you, our listeners. So uh, we're going to just get right into that, I think. Josh, for the box office champ, we covered the Avengers, which we all still like quite a bit. But this is troubling, Josh, as I look over the highest grossing films of 2012. We could circle this year as maybe the year that IP started taking over here. Top 10 movies, The Avengers, Skyfall, The Dark Knight Rises, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Ice Age, Continental Drift, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, The Hunger Games, Men in Black 3, all IP or sequels and a lot of bad movies in there. Yeah, I mean, a couple good ones, too. But yeah, I looked at that list, too, and I just thought, what a depressing lineup (laughs) it is to read there. And I think you can look at every year from 2012 to now, and it's going to be just as depressing to look at. Yeah. And I think back of like our 1980 season when we were like, hey, let's do nine to five. It was the (laughs) second highest grossing film of the year. And you're like, what? How is that? Uh, (laughs) It wouldn't fit here. No, certainly not. So um, yeah, kind of sad. But, But as you said, despite being really a harbinger of a lot of that. We did enjoy the Avengers still. It's still entertaining. Those movies can be enjoyable. It's just the fact that they crowd out everything else, I think is what's depressing. Uh, I mean, I like the Avengers quite a bit. And also depressing is the diminishing returns on Marvel lately. True, true, which we also talked about. So uh, for the first feature, this was a category, I think, where we struggled a bit because it's fairly recent. It's still a bit hard to tell who has a debut that's going to lead to an interesting career. I thought we did a good job picking Brandon Cronenberg and Antiviral, and he's made a couple of pretty interesting films since then. So we didn't have a ton of options. Um, uh, Dave, I think, I don't know, you you were interested in talking about Seth MacFarlane and Ted, which mm-hmm. uh, was his directorial sure. debut. Of course, he's known for a lot of other things beyond directing movies, but uh, that was the first film that he directed. Uh, we also mentioned Josh Trank, uh, an interesting sort of controversial figure in his first film, Chronicle. Uh, we almost went with Lorraine Scafaria and her film Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, um, which I don't really care for, but she certainly went on to uh, some interesting stuff later with Hustlers. Um, but again, I feel like with with the limited choices that we had, it was good to go with Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah, I mean, I hate Chronicles, so I'm glad we didn't do that. <laughs> I was open to Lorraine Scafaria and Seth MacFarlane. Uh, I also said like, it felt like such a weak uh, year for first-time directors. I was ready to cut the category for this year and do animated yeah. movies because there were so many good ones. <laughs> yeah, and I think we could have cut it and would have been all right. But I, I, again, I liked Antiviral, so I was glad to. That was the only movie we covered this season that I'd never seen before. So I was glad to get a chance to watch something. 
Well, Josh, for our next uh, episode, we did the flop and you guys made me rewatch John Carter, which I don't know if I'll ever forgive you for. Um, I hated that movie then, <laughs> slept through it, as you mentioned in the episode. And uh, upon rewatching, felt I made the right choice. Uh, uh, the only other one that I really had in there was Rise of the Guardians, right? Uh, I had thought we like something like Battleship could have been in there. But as we just learned, IP was king. And uh and that was a big hit. So um, did you have any other flop ideas there, Josh? Yeah, I think the Three Stooges was the other one that came up as a possibility. I know, Dave, you also, you're a fan of that one and mentioned yeah. that it could have been uh, one of your picks, but that was the, from the, the Farrelly brothers. Um, that was a uh, failure from them, I guess you could say. Well, they're doing just fine on their own lately. They are. Yeah, they broke up. And instead of yes. doing lowbrow comedy, they're now doing treacly inspirational garbage instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, let us know about the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, so the Cannes Film Festival, um, we talked about the Palme d'Or winner, which is uh, Michael Hanukkah's Amour, which a tough watch, but I think a really interesting and, and well-made film that we all appreciated. And I feel like often what happens when we get to this in the epilogue is I end up saying, and at Cannes that year were a bunch of movies that I've never heard of. Um, but that's not the case here. I actually have a really long list of movies that were all in competition at Cannes that I feel like are pretty well known, or at least from filmmakers that we know. Uh, Beyond the Hills, which is from uh, Christian Munju whose film uh, Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, we talked about in our uh, 2007 season, I believe it was. Um, David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis. Of course, we talked about Brandon Cronenberg. Um, Holy Motors. Uh, the Hunt, a film that we did an episode on later. Uh, Andrew Dominic's Killing Them Softly in Another Country by Hong Sang-soo, which stars Isabel Huppert, who was in Amor. Uh, Lawless by John Hillcoat. Like Someone in Love from uh, Abbas Kiarostami, which I think is a great, great film. Moonrise Kingdom. Jason, I know you love uh, Wes Anderson. That was in competition as well. Mud, which a movie is a movie I really like. Um, Lee Daniels' The Paperboy and Rust and Bone from uh, Jacques Audiard. So a lot of movies that I, you know, I think we're all pretty familiar with, actually. I'd say a few that uh, us that we're familiar with. And Josh, you're just showing your film geekdom by knowing all of them but a, mo a more uh worth watching and uh those two lead performances are just top notch yeah yeah oh totally i mean and i'm glad that that was the one i think there's some other interesting movies on that list but a more uh you know probably the most notable in and what a year for documentaries josh we had so many to choose from uh that were all just excellent we of course covered stories we tell by sarah polly which uh, we all really like upon rewatching, you know, I still mm -hmm. like it. Uh, was very nice to teach you guys about Bon Iver. Really, that was a highlight <laughs> of the season. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, Searching for Sugar Man, which won Best Documentary. I love that movie. I would have been happy to do that. We kind of shied away from it because we've done music documentaries before, but highly recommend that. And uh, also seeing Rodriguez in concert. So, you know. Oh, did you see him in concert? I did see him. He opened oh, nice. for uh brian wilson when i saw him so that cool. was pretty cool is he yeah. still alive rodriguez i don't know but i do enjoy that movie i hope he's still alive uh we were gonna do the act of killing which is a hard watch yeah. uh and so we went against we didn't choose that uh jiro Jeems of sushi maybe the most influential documentary of the year i'm gonna just say it josh bonus episode of that coming up yeah i think this is the right time to say it 
We are going to do a bonus episode on Jiro Dreams of Sushi, in part because, as you said, this was such a great year for documentaries. There were so many options. We decided to add another one. Josh, The Queen of Versailles, uh, which is kind of one of those films that uh, are, is still relevant what, with Succession and this battle with the Murdoch family in real life. And um, The Imposter, which I think was one of these, like, uh, you see it now all the time, more in like these kind of limited series or podcasts where it's a true crime thing with a twist. And I know one that you've seen that I haven't that you really like is uh, First Cousin Once Removed. Yeah, that's Alan Berliner, who's a pretty fascinating filmmaker doing a lot of personal uh, types of films. And that was uh, about his cousin and and his his sort of decline. Another tough watch movie, really mental decline and, you know, similar themes to a more, but uh, really affecting film. So um, worth checking out all of those, really. Right. Uh, you know, a whole list of stuff that's uh, that's interesting to see. And uh, we'll get to watch Jiro again for that bonus episode. So that'll be cool. Yeah. My pick was Sound of My Voice with Britt Marling and uh, directed by Zal Batmanli, which was my number one movie on my top 10 list at the time in 2012. And I thought it held up pretty well. Uh, other possibilities for me, Francis Ha, the uh, Noah Baumbach film. But we have talked about Noah Baumbach before, so kind of wanted to go in a different direction. And as mentioned before, that was at Cannes, Mud, the Jeff Nichols film with Matthew McConaughey, which I think is just one of McConaughey's absolute best performances. And Jeff Nichols, who's made a variety of different kinds of films, I, I feel like that's almost like maybe it is his best work. I, that's a movie I've watched multiple times and holds up really well, I think. Uh, what I liked about this, Josh, was that now I do want to go back and rewatch Francis Ha, which, you know, we like uh, pretty much all the Bombac movies, but I don't think I've seen that since my first watch. And Jeff Nichols, I actually have a few to catch up on there, Josh. Yeah, I think I do too, early uh, in terms of his early films. But, um, you know, have you seen Mud? Yes, I've seen Mud. Oh, okay. Quite yeah, good. that's yeah. definitely. Uh, that's I love good. Mud. All right, Josh. We, uh, we always do a foreign film because we're cultured people. Indeed. Uh huh. And we pick The Hunt, of course, from our friend Thomas Vinterberg, a loyal listener to Awesome Movie Year. <laughs> And with my guy, Mads slash Maz Mickelson, you know, um, but I think uh, that was a really good pick. We learned a lot, not just about uh, their collaborative efforts, but uh, kind of um, we rooted some of the, the, the Dogma 95 stuff in there and just see how these guys are just kind of really making a lot of uh, great projects uh, still to this day. Um, some of the other Ideas that uh, we had were Contiki, No, A Royal Affair, and of course, The Raid. Josh, do you want to chime in on any of those or some other ones that you suggested? Uh, yeah, well, A Royal Affair, I think, also starring Maz Mikkelsen. So really, uh, you know, options there for him. Um, yeah, I mentioned, I mean, a bunch of the things that I just mentioned that had been at Cannes, I think, were some suggestions that I had put forth, including Holy Motors, like Someone in Love, Rust and Bone, In Another Country, Post and Everest Lux. All of which I think could have been interesting for us, um, you know, along the lines of the raid. I think I mentioned Johnny Toe's Drug War, which is another uh, foreign action film. Um, and we almost I think we were sort of toward the end considering uh, Wajda from uh, Haifa Al-Mansur, which I, is a really good film, I think. And she was the first it was the first Saudi Arabian film directed by a woman. And she's gone on to do a lot of more mainstream like Hollywoody stuff. But it's just a really sweet coming of age story about a young girl. So that's a that's a movie that I would recommend seeing as well. 
Very good, Josh. Thank you for your recommendation. Of course. Uh, my recommendation came in my pick, Josh. It's a film I had seen and liked and chose it as my pick. Can you believe that? Different from 1953. <laughs> yeah. I went with Goon, and I'm so glad we rewatched it. It's wonderful to this day. Um, and that, of course, is our friend uh, Sean William Scott playing a minor league hockey enforcer and we got to talk a little about uh canadian cinema and uh, this was a big year for uh canadian cinema for us uh also michael douse uh interesting filmmaker i look forward to seeing some of the things i missed from him my other picks josh uh looper ryan johnson uh maybe his best movie i'd say what do you think yeah yeah maybe so i don't know i i honestly i think i probably have enjoyed the knives out and uh, glass onion a bit more but looper is really good i would have been happy to watch that again and talk about it all right maybe knives out one and then looper and then brick but that's me all right um I mean, what a great filmmaker those are all really good movies yeah mm -hmm. uh the other thing of course as you mentioned moonrise kingdom if I had to do a, a letterbox list on go for jason as my letterbox and it was Wes Anderson movies, I think Moonrise Kingdom would probably be number one. And if not number one, number two for me on my Wes Anderson list. So uh, that in Royal Tenenbaum. So that was a that was a tough one that I said no to only because we've covered Wes Anderson a couple of times already. Yeah. And you know my dislike for Wes Anderson. But I would say if I made that list, I would also put Moonrise Kingdom at number one. I feel like that's my I find that to be the most tolerable of Wes Anderson's films. Well, now that I know how much you hate Wes Anderson, I'm going to just pick him every season. Yeah, no matter what. 1953's Wes Anderson <laughs> film is coming up. Um, we talked about the Sundance Grand Jury Prize winner, Beasts of the Southern Wild from Ben Zeitlin, which we had a pretty, you know, lively disagreement about. I was not a fan of that one. Um, oh, that you, was were also, a, you were a real dick in that episode. <laughs> I was. I was a real <laughs> dick to that film. Um, that was also a first feature consideration. That is his debut. Interesting kind of assortment of a lot of things that I was not familiar with. As opposed to Can, a lot of the Sundance stuff I wasn't really familiar with. But um, the Grand Jury Prize for Documentary went to a movie called The House I Live In, which is, uh, I believe, about the war on drugs that I've not seen. Um, the Dramatic Audience Award went to The Sessions with uh, Helen Hunt and John Hawks, the drama about the sex surrogate, which is pretty good. I don't know. Have you seen that one, Jason? Uh, I never saw it. I do like John Hawks quite a bit. And Helen Hunt, one of the most awarded actresses of our time, Josh. Yeah, uh, maybe not justifiably, but is good in that film. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of hers, but uh, that is a good film. One of these things that could have been really sentimental, but I think it's done well. The Documentary Audience Award went to The Invisible War, which is a documentary about sexual abuse in the military. Uh, other films that were at Sundance include Searching for Sugar Man, as we mentioned, and The Queen of Versailles, which we also mentioned. Uh, Mike Birbiglia's Sleepwalk With Me, which I think is a fun kind of maybe underrated film. It is. And that would have been a good. Uh, was that his first movie? That would have been an interesting first feature. To think yeah, about. I think he's only directed a couple movies that and uh, the other one that he directed yeah. about the improv the, it, troupe whose yeah. name is, is escaping me right now. Uh, it's like, don't think twice or something. There, there, like there you go. That's it. Don't think twice. Um, of course, our favorite safety not guaranteed was uh, at Sundance and Ava DuVernay's Middle of Nowhere, another one. Um, her That was her second film before she kind of made it big. Big year for Sundance, huh? Yeah. So uh, after that, Josh, did we go to our best picture winner? Yes. All right. Well, that was Argo. 
and go fuck yourself, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, we, uh, we're we in an Affleck renaissance right now. Listen to our episode of Piecing It Together that we did with Dave on air. And uh, we like Affleck. I'd say four for five oh, yeah. for him as a director. Uh, we've already mentioned Amor and Beasts of the Southern Wild, both up for Best Picture. Django Unchained, that could have been uh, a pick for a personal pick. I know we've covered Tarantino a lot, but I think that's a really good Tarantino movie. Les Miserables. I, I just, as I was looking through this, I, I that was the one that really stuck out. Like, really? That made a Best Picture nomination? But it did. That's all it I sure. can say. <laughs> all right. There you go. I think we'll leave it at that for Les Mis. Uh, Life of Pi, we talked about uh, Ang Lee and the amazing cinematography in that film. Lincoln, uh, we did talk about it for a minute there. I still think not a great Spielberg movie. I know you liked it more than I did. Silver Linings Playbook, uh, maybe my favorite David O. Russell movie. I really like that movie. And of course, Zero Dark Thirty, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, between that and The Hurt Locker, really making some good war pictures. Yeah, I also really like Silver Linings Playbook. I think I maybe, you know, that was certainly high on my top 10 list when I was looking at possibilities for my pick. And I think Zero Dark Thirty is really good. I like that more than The Hurt Locker, I remember at the time. So, you know, a fairly solid lineup. I, I do think, well, other than my dislike of Beasts of the Southern Wild, I do think Les Mis kind of stands out just as being this like kind of tired Hollywood product. I think that's almost like obligatory to throw in there. Mm. It's uh, interesting because, you know, this is uh, I don't know what year it started when they were like, we can go up to 10. But I think Les Mis may maybe got in there because they're the extra uh, yeah. nominees you could have. That is quite possible. So uh, we had then Dave's pick, which was Spring Breakers. Uh, what other thoughts did you have on your pick, Dave? Yeah, I, you know, aside from some of the ones that you guys have already brought up during this conversation, I'll throw a couple uh, other ones that I was really thinking about. Of course, Prometheus is a movie that I love, the Alien prequel uh, from Ridley Scott, which I've talked about on a bunch of podcasts over the years. So I figured we didn't need to do that. I was also thinking about Seven Psychopaths from Martin McDonough, which was my number one movie of the year. So uh, obviously it was something I was considering. And then the other one I was thinking about, The Man with the Iron Fist, the Riz's directorial debut, which uh, I haven't seen since a, a drunken midnight movie. So I don't even remember if it's any good, but uh, it's the Riz's. So, you know, would have been fun. Yeah, I would have been down with any of those, to be honest with you. But it's your pick, and uh, I'm glad we did Spring Breakers. It made me go back and watch that in the Beach Bum. So, yeah, I could have uh, done without watching Spring Breakers again. But I would, I will say that I was happier to watch Spring Breakers than I would have been to watch Seven Psychopaths, which I really hated. <laughs> um, I like, I kind of like Prometheus. I know, Dave, you're like a the world's number one Prometheus fan, and I, I'm not there. <laughs> but um, I do think it's it's sort of unfairly maligned. It would have been interesting to revisit. I love you, Prometheus. It's Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> Reference to the critic. Yep. Our cult classic pick was Dread, which Jason did not care for, but uh, Dave and I both like, and I think is a really, you know, one of the better action movies of the last decade and certainly one of the better comic book adaptations. Um, speaking of, I think, Jason, this might have been your suggestion in, in that sort of B-movie action realm was The Grey the Liam Neeson movie, which I think I agree is like, uh, you know, one of the better Liam Neeson action movies. Was that was that your call on that? I think I mean, I've, I did put it there and I'm pissed at you guys because I've still <laughs> never seen it. And I, you know, oh. I love I love me some Carnahan and I love me some Neeson. This would have been a perfect uh, time to watch it. But uh, it's tough to track down. I don't think it's streaming anywhere at this point, but I really 
wanted to see the gray. I still want to see it. And um, you guys made me sit through dread. So F off you two. I mean, I, I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. You definitely should. It's absolutely your kind of film. And I, I think it's good. It's, as far as those Liam Neeson action movies go, it's definitely toward the top. Um, I had thrown in a couple more ideas. Uh, Video Diary of a Lost Girl, which is a movie that I saw at our friend Chad Clinton Freeman's Polygrind Film Festival that has actually gone on, unlike most of the movies from that festival, which I'm pretty sure were shown only in the Polygrind Film Festival and never anywhere else except perhaps Chad's living room, has actually gone on to have quite a cult following. John Dies at the End, which is a kind of horror thing that has based on a was a cult novel. And, you know, more Joseph Gordon-Levitt after Looper, uh, Premium Rush, the movie where it's like an action thing where he's a bike messenger. And Jason, have you seen that? That seems like another kind of lean action movie that you would enjoy. I mean, I'd have been down for any of these. And I know we were actually going <laughs> to thinking about the Three Stooges for that as well. So True. Is there really a cult for the Three Stooges? Me. I don't know. How did we miss on the gray? <laughs> this is this is a, you know. You can just watch the gray at home for your own enjoyment, Jason. It is I possible. mean, between missing the gray on this and missing uh, Mighty Ducks when we did uh, whatever year that was, 92 or 94, really just... Some terrible choices on our part. I mean, Josh. Jason, you're the Mighty Ducks guy. You could have picked it for that year and you did it. I admit I blew it, Josh. I can <laughs> admit that. Okay. We made up for it with we've done two hockey movies in on this podcast. How many I hockey know. movies do we need? I mean, as I said, it seems like hockey has a greater connect rate with better movies on um, you know, than a lot of other sports. Maybe so. Josh, and then we came to our audience choice, correct? Yes. Which, of course, we did the year of Mark Duplass and you idiots pick safety, not guaranteed <laughs> when we served up on a silver platter. Jeff, who lives at home and your sister's sister. Um, OK, I had a lot of ideas for this category. Um, there were music documentaries. I already mentioned Searching for Sugar Man. There was the LCD sound system movie Shut Up and Play the Hits and Marley, of course, about the legendary Bob Marley. I had Indie Romance Gone Wrong, which would have been fun. Ruby Sparks, Celeste and Jesse Forever, and Lola Versus. I think that would have been a really good category and really spoke to this year. Uh, animated Classics, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Brave, Frank and Weenie, and Paranorman. Come on, some good stuff there. And The World of Judd Apatow. Uh, this is 40, the five-year engagement and Wanderlust. He directed This is 40 and produced the other two. Yeah, and we had done a Judd Apatow audience choice category in either, was it 03 or 07? One of those when we ended up talking about Superbad. So I think that was why we wanted to steer away from Judd Apatow. But uh, I think we made the right choice. Even if the audience made the wrong choice, <laughs> uh, I feel like the Duplass category was an interesting one. Um, I, I remember in that indie romance category, liking Ruby Sparks, but not really liking those other two. So uh, I don't know how that would have worked out if we had put that up to a vote. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the real strong one there is the animated movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brave, I think, is maybe one of the weaker Pixar movies, but Wreck-It Ralph is a lot of fun. Uh, Paranorman, I really like, is, you know, a great film from Laika. And, and Frankie Weenie's all right. It's, uh, you know, not not Burton's best, but, uh, you know, you can go back to the original short and talk about that, too. And that's sort of the origins of a lot of what Tim Burton does. Josh, here were some other movies that we had uh, that I had marked down from this year. There was Haywire, the Steven Soderbergh film starring Gina Carano. Dave, of course, a huge fan of Gina Carano's latest effort, 
the Hunter Biden movie. Oh, sure. I'm glad we didn't have to talk about Gina Carano, really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Project X, which I know you hate, I didn't love, but I think was a moment in time, like that found footage type thing, right? And party movie, right? Sure, why not? Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, that's definitely a, a pretty influential film. Of course, it was a year, so Steven Soderbergh had to make more than one movie. This was Magic Mike, uh, the first one, and that's gone on to become a a whole thing, not just a franchise, but a live show in Vegas. I actually auditioned to be the MC not too long ago. They picked a Scottish singer to take that part, so I don't feel bad about losing that part. Um, Robot and Frank, I really like that movie with uh, Frank Langella getting a uh, robot to like help him around the house because he's getting older and he just uses the robot to help him commit like crimes. I think that's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Compliance, a very tough watch, but a good film. Uh, Pat Healy, great performance. Arbitrage, you know, I'm a big fan of that one. And of course, if we didn't mention the master, our PTA heads would get angry at us. Perks of being a wallflower, good movie also. Yeah, some interesting stuff. I feel like, I mean, compliance is definitely a tough watch. I feel like tough watches were a theme, even though we steered away from some of them and like the act of killing, but we we still ended up with quite a few movies that are that are a bit difficult to get through, but rewarding. So uh, glad that we did that. And we had some good responses here on social media from people suggesting uh, films that they wanted to hear about, including some that we've talked about. Um, so I'll run through a few of those. Uh, Joe Cox suggested uh, Dave's favorite Prometheus, as well as Skyfall and Hitchcock, the Hitchcock biopic, which I think didn't really there was this was the year of the two Hitchcock movies, right? There was an HBO one. Was it called The Girl? That's about the the making of uh, the birds and his relationship with Tippi Hedren, I believe. So, uh, yeah, there was that. Chad Clinton Freeman, who we've mentioned. Uh, suggested The Place Beyond the Pines, uh, Cloud Atlas from the Wachowskis, and Django Unchained and Chronicle, which we've already mentioned. Uh, our good friend Victoria Ribeiro, her main suggestion, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. She says, I would love to hear Jason talk about this one for sure. So thanks, Victoria. Well, Victoria, if you want me to talk, then talk I will. Yes. Uh, the Queen of Versailles, The Hunger Games, uh, Magic Mike, and The Campaign, which is that uh, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Will Ferrell comedy, I believe. Did you see that one, Jason? I don't think I saw that one, but uh, you know, why not? Let's do it. Let's go right <laughs> now. Good. Let's watch. Think. Let's do a watch along and talk while we watch it right now. Sure. Uh, Ian Zeitzer gave us Here Comes the Boom. <laughs> It's still yeah. Ian. Still Ian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ian Zeitzer. Uh, here comes the boom. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce his name because he had the audacity to suggest that we talk about a Kevin James movie. Uh, of course, <laughs> I uh, back in the day wrote a co-wrote a script called Paddington Good Bar Will Kick Your Ass about a nerd who finds out he has super strength and to save his dad's sporting goods store becomes an underground MMA fighter. Uh, and Kevin James really blew the chance for me to make that movie because of Here Comes the Boom. Yeah, damn you, Kevin James. And also, that movie is bad. <laughs> um, our uh, our former guest, Mike Privat, suggested uh, The Master, Prometheus, Cabin in the Woods, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, he's apparently a fan of Seven Psychopaths and The Hobbit. Django Unchained, The Session, so a bunch of things that have come up already. My sister, Brandy Bell, suggested Wreck-It Ralph, Silver Linings Playbook. She likes Celeste and Jesse forever, I guess. Also, she said she wouldn't mind seeing No 
as the foreign film pick. She lives in Chile, uh, but it's not one of my favorites. I like No, actually. I think that's interesting. But of course, you know, that's from a perspective outside the country where it was made and, you know, different to get a perspective if you're more familiar with the culture. Probably. Well, we don't care about that, do we? No, no. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what else we got that's different? Uh, George Hannah Wilson suggested a movie called Excision, which I am not familiar with at all. Do you know that one, Jason? No. No. I don't. All right. Well, thank you, George, for whatever that was. Uh, Darren Lundberg from the Nostalgia Cast suggested It's Such a Beautiful Day, the animated film from uh, Don Hertzfeld, which is a really like crazy, beautiful, like emotionally affecting film that's sort of a compilation of shorts. I would definitely recommend that. That would have been that another interesting awesome. animated movie. Yeah, it's really good. It's only like 62 minutes or something, too. That I liked a lot. Uh, Adam S. brought up Sinister, the horror film with Ethan Hawke. Um, Captain Salazar, who I don't know if that was on Twitter or whoever, what he's a captain of, but mm. Captain Salazar mentioned Resident Evil Retribution and Underworld Awakening, later installments in both of those. Is that really Chad in disguise? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. And of course, my favorite response here from Ryan Olbrich, who disputes the entire concept of this season. He says, I'm not sure what the tipping point is when an okay movie year becomes an awesome movie. Mm. But this film watcher feels that 2012 was very much not an awesome year for movies. Yeah. And uh, then he went on to suggest that we talk about Here Comes the Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Ryan. I like that. I like that. I like that he's taken a year to task, you know? Yes. I feel Good like time. we hopefully proved him wrong that there were a lot of interesting movies for us to talk about for this year. I feel like it too, but Dread wasn't one of them. All right. That's fine. So uh, here we are at the end again. And as Jason mentioned, if you are a Patreon subscriber at uh, the By David Rosen Patreon, where we have bonus material from Dave's podcast, Piecing It Together, as well as Dave's music, you can also check out our bonus episode on Jiro Dreams of Sushi that will be out. But for all our non-Patreon listeners, do you want to let them know what's coming up next, Jason. Josh, we've been planning the next season for a long time. When you think of the modern blockbuster, Josh, you have to go back to a time that is no longer modern. 1975 with Jaws, the kind of precursor to it all. And then as you kind of roll out the rest of that year, you're just like, holy cow, so many good movies of this year. We're going to 1975, Josh. Awesome movie year. I am very excited for that one. And we are starting with the box office champion. So tune in next time for Jaws. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.